0: If you have children in this room, if you've ever taken a road trip somewhere, my Lord, my Lord, the four most most common words your children will use on this road trip is what? Good job, class. Are we there yet? Several weeks ago, I told you, we took, we took our kids to Disneyland, about five and a five-and-a-half-hour drive. We put money aside for this. We've invested time, and all I keep hearing is we get about an hour into it. We put a movie in so they can be quiet. Halfway through the movie, they ask, now I'm saved, but I'm still being sanctified. So I am driving, and about the third time I hear, are we there yet, I throw like a bag. My my wife is so smart, she put a a box right here filled with snacks. And every time I heard it, I get like a goldfish and chunk it at him. (laughs) We drive, chunk it at him again. And I'm not going to lie, I got to the point where I got so sick of hearing it, because I'm thinking, man, I'm trying to take you to a destination point where you're really going to enjoy, but if you don't shut your little mouth, we're going to turn this thing around. <laughs> now, some of y'all aren't laughing, so I'm not the only sinner in the room. Parents, can, you, can, you, can I get a amen, parents? Amen. See, the ones who aren't laughing are the ones who don't have kids. They don't get it yet. <laughs> you'll have kids one day, I promise, and you'll be like, that's what he was talking about. Are we there yet? And there's this patience that I had to have over time. And and of course, we got there and they were so excited. But the the five and a half hours, my Lord, my Lord, it was hard. See, it's sometimes hard waiting on the things that you really desire, right? It's sometimes incredibly difficult to wait on the things that, that you know you're going to, but it's just not yet there for the mother who is currently pregnant. My wife was about nine months pregnant. I remember her saying, gosh, are we there yet? Back's hurting. I'm tired of rubbing feet. Are we there yet, Lord? See, we joke about, and of course it happens to our children, but as children of God, we also have the tendency to ask God, are we there yet? My marriage is in shambles, and I've been praying and fasting, God, are we there yet? My child was raised in the church, and yet they're wayward, God, and they're not living for you. Are we there yet? God, I've been single and I've been faithful. When are you going to bring this Prince Charming into my life? Are we there yet? Hey, I got a man up here who said amen. I got a woman back there who said amen. And we got, we got an ordained pastor right here. Gonna <laughs> mess up my sermon intro. You ever been at the place, though, seriously, where you're just waiting on God and it's like he's taking too long? Yeah, honestly, you ever been there? Whether you're dealing with depression and you're just, it's hard. Or for the women in the room who you can't have a child, it's like, God, it's hard. Or for some of us who have addictions in your life and it's like, I can't break it. Are we there yet? And it's just the question keeps coming, God, when is this going to be enough? Or the truth is, you do all the spiritual things you know you're supposed to do. You go to church, you read your Bible, but you don't feel God, and therefore you think God is absent or silent. And you're like, am I there yet, God? He ever been there? Paul, through the Holy Spirit, uses a character in the Bible, who all of us can relate to, whether you've never read the Bible or not, and you're going to hear this character and think, oh, it makes sense. I want you to look at the framework from this man's life. His name was Abraham. You see it very beginning of Scripture. Paul uses Abraham and David in chapter 4, two misfits in Scripture. Not so we can boast in how great of men they were, but how we can boast in how great of a God we serve in the midst of broken men. Because both of these men, although they love God, they were filled with sin and they were broken and they made poor decisions. But when God makes a promise, God never, ever, 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 like outcast said, forever, ever, <laughs> he'll never break it. Do you understand what I'm saying? God will never break his promise. To the person in this room who you you love Jesus, but you keep making mistakes and you keep messing up and you feel like you're done with. No, he has promised you, Philippians 1:6, he who began a good work in you will continue it to the day of completion. Even when you don't feel like he's working, if you're still breathing, he's still working. Because he will never leave you nor forsake you. What Psalm 2710 says. That is a promise. Now, I'm not talking about this other promise, with this, this, this self-promise stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Where people just pull stuff out of the air and they, this is my promise. I'm telling you this morning, if it's not from Scripture, I can't promise you it. If it's from Scripture, I'm willing to die on it. It has to be from Scripture to match the character of God. This man Abraham, who's being used in this, these six verses, seven verses. I want you to think about the timeline of Abraham. Abraham... Remember I told you he's seen as the Michael Jordan of faith to the Jews? Remember I told you that? He wasn't even a Jew. He was a Gentile. God chose a misfit Gentile at the age of 75. I want you to think about this. At the age of 75, most of us in this room, if you're 75 or close, you're looking up, hanging hanging up your boots, right? In Scripture, God's just getting started. For some of us, you're thinking, I'm coming towards retirement, I'm coming, here I am. No, for Abraham, God was just getting started. Seventy-five, a Gentile, he was serving other gods, by the way. Here he comes, God says, you can see this in the book of Genesis, he says, I want you to take your wife, your family, and go to a place where you do not know. I want you to sacrifice everything that you have your hands on. See, too many Christians live with closed fists when God has called us to live with open hands. You know why I believe? So he can put things in there and so he can take things out. So for Abraham, here he was having to live with open hands. God, what do you want me to do? God calls him to go to an unknown land. What does he face very early on? Okay, God says, I'm going to give you a promise. You're going to have a lot of children, more than the stars. And he's thinking, I'm 75. What are you talking about, God? And so so here he is with this promise that God has planted in his heart, this seed of promise, yet here he goes. He, he, He faces a famine, a severe famine. Then what you have next is he begins to have family problems. What happens next? He and Lot, who is his nephew, have a disagreement. So they go separate ways. So now you have family problems. And then somewhere along the line, while he's trying to live faithful, he gets tired of waiting on God. Anybody ever been tired of waiting on God? Anybody been tired of waiting on God? Listen, this is why this text is so good because Paul uses him as someone that we should copy our faith after. But listen to how jacked up he is. This might give some of us hope. God says, you're going to have a child. He gets tired of waiting on God. He's 86 years old. Listen to what happens. He and his wife get tired of waiting on God, get tired of waiting on this promise. And they begin to take matters into their own hands. And, and, can you, and Sarah says, hey, there is this maid servant. there is this slave, her, her, name, her name is Hagar. And so here's Abraham. Yeah, tell me more. Well, here's what I want you to do, Abraham. I want you to go have sexual relations with her. you imagine Abraham? Like, so how, how, okay, how do I do it? Do I act excited? Do I not act excited? What do I do here? Is this a trick? Am I being punked? What's going on? I want you to have relations with Hagar so we can have a child. Keep in mind, they knew what God had said. But they got so sick of waiting on God that they go and they have a child with Hagar, the slave servant. Now, when they have a child with Hagar, the child's name is Ishmael. That is not the promised son that God had in mind. That was the seed out of flesh, not the seed out of the spirit. So what you see is Abraham, a human being who gets tired of waiting on God, jumps ahead of God because he thinks God was silent. See, here's where the enemy gets you. We normally tend to sin when God is silent. Don't sin in the midst of silence because God is still faithful. Yet I want you to see how Abraham has relations with Ishmael. At the age of 76, he had Ishmael. Ishmael and his baby mama caused a lot of drama. There was tons of division within the family. Can you imagine that household dynamics? Now you have because they did it in the way God did not promise them. They ran ahead of God. And if I'm thinking even deeper, if you've ever ran ahead of God and did something you shouldn't have done, you know what it's like to produce illegitimate promises. Probably every single person in this room has ran ahead of God and produced illegitimate promises to some degree. You have found fulfillment in the things of this world. See, here's the dangerous thing. When your flesh is desperate, you're willing to eat anything the world has to offer. My fears are too many Christians in this world not having faith in God and his promises. Therefore, you're eating things of the flesh that this world has to offer. Then wondering why you're left empty and destructed. then we tend to blame it on God. See, so you know what's amazing is why the enemy is saying, eat, eat, eat. We eat, yet we're still hungry. When God is saying, eat, 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 we eat, and somehow we're full yet still hungry for more. There's a difference there. So now you have 86. He probably thought he must have been absolutely done right here. You ever been there where he thought you just messed it up? I was done. I don't even want to give myself another chance. But here is the great thing. God's love and faithfulness to you is not dependent on your love and faithfulness to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is not like some of our fathers who runs out when it gets too hard. God is not like some of our friends who only walk with us when things are great. God doesn't know how to be unfaithful. It's not in his character. So here is God in the midst of Abraham's unfaithfulness. Here comes 100 years old. Abraham probably thought, I messed it up. I'm done. There's no way God is coming through. And what does he have? Isaac, the one God has promised him. Now, if we count this up, how many years did he have to wait for God to come through? Twenty-five years for God to come through. Twenty-five years he had to wait for God to come through. Some of you have been waiting for 25 days and you're done, ready to take matters into your own hands. Can I get an amen? But let me tell you something, specifically for those who are waiting so desperately for something. By the way, the promise here, I am not telling you your promise is going to come true. The promise that we're talking about, yes, Abraham had promises. The promise I'm talking about is the promise of salvation. That's the promise Paul is talking about here. But let me make something very clear. For those of you who have that desperate thing that you've been waiting for, can I just have a hand raised here that maybe it's somebody getting saved, maybe it's getting married. Anybody have something you're waiting on? Great. Let me tell you. When you get to this promise, according to the the life of Abraham and every other life I've read, even the promise has problems attached to it. Some of us think that once we get the promise, then you have arrived. Now, let me just tell you, the promise has problems attached to it. So even when you get what you thought you wanted, it's not as good as you thought it would be, right? Some of you in the middle of marriage thinking, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Disney done lied to me. Some of you have children like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. We lost the receipt, now we're stuck with it. Some of y'all have in-laws and, well, I'll leave right there. That's why I started getting myself in trouble. <laughs> he waited for twenty five years. And yeah, he, he jacked up. He ran ahead of God. He got sick of waiting on God. His flesh got desperate. Overcame his faith at times. But somehow, some way God still used him as an example of faith. And let me show you I Look at verse 19. Speaking of Abraham, who we just heard of, he did not weaken in faith. Now, I want to be sure, I know for some of you this is elementary to some extent, but, but I want to be sure we understand what faith actually is because this word is thrown around so often. Some say, oh, I have faith this would, will happen. Oh, I have faith it's going to be okay. See, we interchange the word faith for wishing. Those are two separate things here. When you wish on something, it means I don't have confidence in it, but I hope it's going to happen. When you have faith in something, you say, I I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know that 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 he is in control and he is sovereign. There's two big differences right there. We use the word interchangeably, but the reason why we're always let down is because when we say we have faith, you actually are wishing for something, you don't believe it. The reason why he used Abraham, he did not weaken in his faith. Pastor, what do you mean? He, he had two phones. One went to Hagar. He had two kids. One was illegitimate. What do you mean he didn't weaken? See, this word weaken, we think of it as feeble. The Greek context means that he did not stop trusting so even when he felled, he got up and kept trusting. My bad, God, I got ahead of you. I don't know what I was thinking. I fell. I messed up. Let me get back on this horse and keep going forward. So this is, he is not used as an example because he had it all together. together. He used as an example because his faith almost seemed to be supernatural, even when it didn't look like it could be possible. Well, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. He did not weaken in this faith, meaning he kept trusting God when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. Why was it good as dead? Well, how many hundred-year-old people do you know trying to have kids? No, at that point, you're trying to get them all at the house. Hopefully before that. But so I want you to listen to this. He felt that his body was as good as dead. I don't mean there was a pulse. I mean dead. Dead. Since he was about 100 years old, that's why he felt this way. Or he did not feel this way. He could have because he was 100. Or here's another reason why he could have doubted God. When he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. By the way, in this context, in this culture... They were incredibly humiliated that this woman couldn't have children. Here, it meant that there was probably something wrong with her spiritually that she couldn't have children. Maybe she was living in sin. Maybe something was wrong, but there was a reason why God wasn't blessing her. Can you imagine? That fool's name is Abraham. Abraham means father of many. Yet this fool doesn't have one child. Can you imagine? The ridicule. Where is your God now? And so they had to endure this ridicule. Yet in the midst of this ridicule, they still had faith in God. Look, from verse 19, I'm going to give us, if if you're in this season where you're thinking, listen, I don't know how much longer I can wait on God. I'm weary. I am tired. Listen, these verses here give us a great biblical framework of how to do it. Verse 19 and point number one. He didn't allow his circumstances to define his view of God. Look at his circumstances. Dad, there's nothing he can do out of this right here. Nothing. Yet he, he pretty much lived a life that said regardless of what it looks like and regardless of what it feels like and regardless of what it sounds like, I'm not letting my circumstances change the way I view God. See, here is the problem. It happens in many churches. Many of us tie what we feel to what we think and who we think God is. We think if we don't feel Him, then He is absent. We think if we don't hear Him, then He is absent. See, this is why it's incredibly dangerous to get tied into this church that's, churches that are based off emotionalism. And you have to anchor yourself to the truth and word of God. I know, so that you can do and say exactly what Abraham did. I know I feel like it's over. I know I don't think he's coming through. But according to what he said and what his promise is, here's what he's going to do. There's a big difference when you live that kind of life. Now, I want you to see what happens when, when he moves forward. So, number one, he doesn't allow his circumstances to define his view of God. Number two, listen to this, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Listen to this. How did he grow strong in his faith? I got it. Don't worry about it. i studied study this. He grew strong in his faith. As what? He gave strong, he grew strong in his faith as what? You remember when you first uh, started dating somebody and you went home to your in-laws and all you told your in-laws, if you're married or if you're dating now, how great this person was? Remember? Like you just tell every great thing about them. Everything. Everything. And then your in-laws are like, Man, this person sounds unbelievable. I don't even know how they wanted you, but this is great. This is an answered prayer. And and then here's what I see all the time as a pastor. Then you get married. And then you begin to live together. And you start nitpicking that stuff, the way the toilet paper is rolled, whatever direction. Who cares? Or where you leave your toothbrush. Or, or, or from being my wife, I take my shoes off as soon as I get in the door because shoes represent work to me. So I just take them right off, leave them right there. By the time you know it, three days later, I got four pairs of shoes in the front of the door. And like, she's like, honey, the closet's right next to it. And we don't do this in my marriage, but things I always see in marriage is after you become married, you become frustrated. Then usually you call the in laws, and what, what you used to say, you don't say anymore. Now it's all complaints. You know what I'm saying? And sooner or later, you can't figure out why your in-laws can't stand the one you're married to. See, we have a way of changing people's view of other people by by what we say. And what what Paul is saying here, what did did Abraham do? He constantly praised God. Even when he didn't think God was coming through, he constantly praised God. Even when he didn't feel God, he constantly praised God. He praised and praised and praised and praised and praised So what is that saying for the Christian? That even when you feel like the situation is is beyond dead, that even then God is still worthy of our praise. And see, it was in the midst of his praise in a horrible situation that his faith began to grow. In spite of his circumstances, he praised. And look what happens next. So he gave glory to God. Why? Why? Because he was fully convinced that God was able to do what He had promised. So what what he is saying here is he firmly believed in God's ability, an ability to what? What he is believing here is to the greatest manifestations you see in Scripture. Number one, we see it in Genesis: God creates something out of nothing. Number two. Jesus. God raises Jesus from the dead. So Abraham says, if, if I, am, I am fully convinced that I serve a God who can do two things, make something out of nothing, okay? That means something out of nothing. Don't worry about that. The next thing is resurrect the dead. Don't worry about that. And I want to, I want to stop us just, just for a minute because I know some of us were in church, we raised in church and we hear these things over and over and over. But I want to ask you simply this. Do you firmly believe and know that God can make something out of nothing? Do you really believe that He can make something out of nothing? The next question, do you really believe that He can resurrect what seems to be dead? I mean, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that my marriage seems to be absolutely gone? It's dead. No, do you believe that God can resurrect that marriage? Do you believe it? I mean, do, do you believe it? I mean, this, this, is, this is why he's saying, listen, in spite of all his failures, Abraham believed this. And he lived like it. And he depended on it. He was fully convinced. He was fully dependent on nothing else but the power of God. That was it. He was fully dependent on the manifestation of who God was. So here's the reality, and here's the truth about walking with God. It doesn't matter how long you walked with Him, you have moments. Will you lose somebody you love, and you have faith, but you still feel the pain. Just because you have faith doesn't mean you don't feel the pain. Just because you have faith doesn't mean you don't feel the pain. Can you imagine you, you wonder what Abraham was asking when, when he was 85? Can you imagine, God are we there yet? God are we there yet? God, are we there yet? God, did I mess it up? Did I I mess it all up from having Ishmael? God, are we there yet? My daughter's five years old, and I'll close with this story. She's five years old, and uh, my wife, when they got to Disney, they took on her very first roller coaster ever. It's called Magic Mountain. Thunder Mountain. I'm so frustrated with Disney, I don't even care what it means. (laughs) So it's called Thunder. anybody ever been on Thunder Mountain? And she's listen. She's five. She's five. And the whole way through, this is the little girl. Like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Boom, goldfish. Are we there yet? We get to, to the park. My wife says, "Hey, come on. You're gonna love this ride." She's in line and she's terrified the entire. This is what you've been asking for. What are you scared about? Like, you've been asking me for this over and over and over. Are we there? Are we, here? We are. Here's what you wanted. And my wife sends me this video, and she goes through mixed emotions on this roller coaster ride. And I want you to see it. Let's check it out. Look how high we are, baby. And it, but it was, it was amazing because I'm telling you, she is wired like me, and she was like, come on. Are we there? Are we there? Are we there? We get there, and then, like, all of a sudden, she chickens out. I'm like, hey, this, isn't this what you've been asking for? But, but what I love is, is if you looked in the video, um, you'll notice that every time she was, like, smiling, that she enjoyed it, her head came off my wife's shoulder when her face was terrified. She leaned back in. Excitement. Terrified. <laughs> Excitement. You know what happened after that? Can we go again? <laughs> Can we go again? Listen, when we walk with God, there are going to be moments in our lives where it's like he's taking us there. You can just hear the clicking. Click, 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 click. And we're on cloud nine. Life is great. God is so good. Then you get that moment where it's just all of a sudden you feel like you just... Whoosh, whoosh. You don't know what's going on, and then this fear kicks in. But, but I couldn't find a better illustration to let us know, listen... Just because you have faith doesn't mean you won't experience an emotional roller coaster in your life. But in those moments, in those moments, just like my wife never left my daughter, God's not going to leave by your side. And what he desires from his children is just get next to him. And hold on to him. Because for my daughter, that represents safety. That represents, listen, I don't know how long this ride is going to last, but I know when it stops, she's going to be right here. There's safety. So let me ask you this. While you're waiting on God, what are you you holding on to? Let me just tell you, let me tell you in advance If you're holding on to anything that's not God, you will be left broken and disappointed. I promise you. I promise you. What are you holding on to?